Welcome to the reaction review bonus episode for Antlers from 2021. Here in the Fatal Follower Presents studio, I have Gabriel. Welcome back to the show, Gabriel. Thank you, Donnie. Always a pleasure to be here. Now, we're doing a bonus episode a little later in the week. We thought we would give all of you listeners and horror fanatics a break for a couple days from the spooky month of October. And after we're all done, uh, saying our best wishes to the month of October. We're settling in for November and all of that it has to offer. And one of the movies that we caught um, over the last weekend uh, was Antlers. Um, it's a 2021 supernatural horror film directed by Scott Cooper. It follows a school teacher and her police officer brother in a small Oregon town where they become convinced one of her students is harboring a supernatural creature. The film stars Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons, Jeremy T. Thomas, Graham Greene, Scott Hayes, and many others. The screenplay, written by C. Henry Chasen, Nick Antosca, and if you don't know who Nick Antosca is, uh, he was the creator and writer of the anthology series, uh, Creepypasta Candle Cove, The No End House, Butcher's Block, and The Dream Door, uh, which is a favorite of ours. Um, Antosca wrote a short story called The Quiet Boy, which was originally published in Guernica magazine in January 2019, which is what this movie is based on. Now, yay, nay, or meh, Gabriel, what are you going to go with for Antlers? Uh, definitely J. All right. And I am going to go for a definite yay. Thumbs up for me as well. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you a no spoilers uh, reaction review. And then when it's time for us to talk a little bit more into spoiler territory, I will let you all know so that you can hop off and we can give a little bit more of an in-depth reaction to the movie overall. Um, all right. So first things first, Antlers. Um, what did you think of the overall uh, characters to the movie, because to me, this movie was definitely a character-driven drama at some points uh, with a what I thought was a solid horror movie. What did you think of uh, the characters? Um, I think most of the characters were very well-defined. Um, I think the movie has a lot to say about trauma and how to deal with it. It also had a lot to say about uh, the people from rural America and how the conditions there are deteriorating for many people. So in a sense, had a, quite a lot of social commentary in a sense, besides the whole dealing with trauma and things like that. So it yeah. was, um, it was pretty heavy in moments of it. Yeah. It's pretty horrific. Besides yeah. the, the, the 
fantasy horror element, the actual horror element was, um, yeah, traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, I guess to start, you're introduced to um, the main couple of the main characters, uh, Julia, who is Carrie Russell, uh, which I really enjoyed in this movie. I always enjoyed Carrie Russell's acting. Um, Lucas Weaver, who is the uh, the kid who we get to meet uh, at the very beginning of the movie. Um, and then Paul Meadows, which is uh, Julia's uh, brother, um, played by Jesse Plemons, uh, who I always enjoy. And some of the more comedic roles that we've seen him in and some of the more serious roles. So he's definitely stretching his uh, acting chops uh, in some of the more recent movies. And this one, I think uh, him and Carrie Russell, they really do a good job balancing off of each other. You can tell that they have chemistry as siblings. Um, they have an, an overarching story themselves as to what brought Julia back to Oregon, uh, to the area, to Paul, and they're living together and you can feel some tension with them. Um, you can tell with Julia that she may be a recovering alcoholic. Uh, there's moments where that shows her in a convenience store getting groceries and things, and she keeps looking at the alcohol. So it's just quiet moments like that that give the character some depth and some um, some background that isn't necessarily spoken aloud, uh, which I kind of appreciate. Um, there's a lot of quiet moments like that in the film and a lot of things that are unsaid, but said in such a loud way that they didn't need to be sort of spoon fed, I guess, if you will. Um, so I like those moments. And when you enter, when you're introduced to Julia, she's, she's teaching her students um, the idea of uh, cultural uh, lore and some of the stories that we tell one another and how we can learn from one another. And she has in the board behind her, like Native Americans and uh, Greek and how the mythologies and lore is built up through storytelling and how we are supposed to be sort of uh, respecting that sort of culture by listening to their stories and understanding what they're trying to tell us within the stories and how it applies to their culture and what we ourselves outside of that culture take from it. So I thought that was a really smart way to play into setting up the whole um, supernatural background of the story. Um, but overall, I, I really enjoyed the characters. I think they do a really good job, like Gabriel said, of setting up the town. This is a town that is a mining town. Um, you know, the jobs have been scarce. Lots of things have moved away since Julia has uh, you know, return, she's noticed that the town has sort of in a, in a very, I would say, uh, desolate place, lots of shuttering of businesses, lots of people in line for like the, uh, the therapy, the, the free counseling therapy that they have there, the crisis center, uh, people are hungry, you know, they're working all these jobs. So it does set up a very realistic portrayal of a lot of towns across America uh, and specifically rural areas. And so I like that whole dynamic uh, of setting up that and the townspeople uh, before you really get into the horror of it all. And you're introduced to the horror of it all right off the bat. Um, 
and I won't spoil anything. We'll, we'll save that for the latter half of the episode. But um, what did you think, Gabriel, of, I guess, aside from the, the human drama elements and the human story, uh, what did you um, think of this, the horror parts of the movie? Well, the, the more horror-specific elements, which also start happening, I would say, in the later half of the movie, because before that, it's just a transformation happening that you're not really witnessing itself. Um, it's a lot of psychological horror. It's a lot of psychological horror. It's, it's like you mentioned, there's a lot of images in the movie, any scenes and things that are not said but that they're told to you through the images, like like you're saying, the teacher is probably dealing with alcoholism problems, which most likely stem from her own trauma. And like going, seeing her going to the store and looking over at the alcohol and then looking away and always stopping there and just thinking, and the cashier asking her, is there anything else that you want? And then, yeah. She stops and he's like, oh, no, she grabs a gum or something. Yeah, you see her fighting through a so, lot of that. Exactly. Like through different triggers in her days. Yes. Which I thought was very realistic. And and I think it's, I mean, it's not just her character, but mm -hmm. also, like you say, Jesse Clemens and mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that he doesn't say or that he says certain things. Mm -hmm. um, he's a great actor, lots of range. I enjoy his movies he has played all kinds of characters up to now you know i hate comparisons but in a sense like he reminds me a lot of philip seymour hoffman i could see that yeah, yeah. So i never thought of that but i definitely see it now they, they have yeah. similarities in in the way that they look mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like their acting is top notch they really know how to sell i never know what to expect with jesse Plemons because he has a of an expressionless subtlety mm -hmm. to how he delivers no dialogue. So you don't know if this person is kind of like off a little, like psychologically, you don't know if they're going to come at you like in an angry way, if they're quiet and timid, like it's, 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 it's always a surprise what type of character he is. And I think that's why he works in so many movies, especially with like unrelated, but date night where there's <laughs> the neighbors are so, Kind of weirded out by him but he's a really nice guy yeah and so i think he did that really well in this movie too like he's a cop he's struggling just like julia in his own way he's mm -hmm. the sheriff now and you see moments where like at the beginning where he says um you moved my medicine or something mm -hmm. and there's a there's a whole exchange with them like she's like well i'll move out I, i'm looking for a place like no nothing prompted her to say that but you can tell there's tension with him too. Of course. And yeah, and his response, it, I mean, he, he's just really a, a great actor. Um, so um, I think the movie has a lot of good setup for his scenes with the way that the characters uh, react to things, the way that they uh, say things, the way that they look at things, the way that they are surprised by things. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I guess the the kid, uh, Jeremy T. Thomas, the main kid, he does an amazing job too. He sold that performance of a kid who is withdrawn and mm-hmm. shy and is still harboring a secret and mm-hmm. he's trying to make sense of what's happening with his life. And and again, like the movie truly hammers home the point of this is how you deal with trauma and these are the things that you kind of create or become addicted to or fantasize about yeah. when you're trying to escape a harsh reality. So I again I think that you're correct. The movie has a lot of psychological elements to it mm-hmm. and and the fantasy horror that is involved is fed into that. So Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me that Guillermo del Toro is attached to this movie um like in the producer way because I you can tell that those type of drama familial drama elements are in, pervasive in a lot of his movies and that fantasy horror mm-hmm. um is definitely something that he's known for doing. So I think that you can definitely tell the director Cooper uh, has used uh, Guillermo del Toro like uh, his. I guess you can tell he's heavily influenced by him by this movie, um, and that's what I really enjoyed. And and it's no spoiler from the trailer. It is a creature feature, and there's and we won't reveal what it is yet later on, but um, those elements I thought were really handled well too. Um, I had a friend that watched it and his reaction was well i liked it but i just really hate that they didn't that they used cgi that they didn't use practical Mm -hmm. and really to my my response to that was i honestly wasn't taken out of the movie by it like i know that there was some practical effects in the movie there's a lot of makeup effects prosthetics and you know that you see something that is practical and there is CGI in it, but I was never taken out of the movie by the CGI. Mm-hmm. I think that the things that they are showing that is CGI is illuminated in a way that made it look realistic. And a lot of things are kept in the dark and kept shadowed. So you don't see this brightly colored uh, CGI creation that sometimes mm-hmm. can look silly in movies. So I thought that that was actually really well done. However, it was, however, the things were brought to life in the movie. Um but overall, I would say at this point, um, we can rate it and then we can go ahead and dig a little deeper into some of the reactions to some of the more uh, specific elements, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the listeners that haven't watched this, and, they, and we, I recommend you going to check this out, whether it's in a theater, whether when it comes out on video or streaming. Um, out of 10, I would say I would probably go with like an 8 for this movie. Uh, 8 out of 10. Uh, what about you? I, I think we'll give it a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10? Okay, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So um, we both recommend it. Um, it's you know it's out in theaters now. Um, either way, um, so definitely check it out. And for those of you that don't want any spoilers, uh, we are going to go ahead and start uh, revealing some things about the ending and some other overall themes that you should hop off for if you don't want that revealed. All right. So as those listeners make their way to the exit, um, I uh, have to say this is probably uh, one of my favorite movies that depicts the Wendigo. 
there are several movies that depict the Wendigo. There's a movie called The Wendigo with, I think it's Patricia Clarkson. It came out in the 90s. And I think that's also a really well done movie. Um, the original Pet Cemetery. Um, it didn't really go into the, the uh, Wendigo mythology like the newest remake did. But there's still something that was sort of left out from the Stephen King book. So I would say as far as like Wendigo lore and Wendigo legend and weaving that creature into a story, uh, I think they did an exceptional job uh, bringing the Wendigo to life in this movie. And like I mentioned previously about these special effects and about the CGI, um, when you get to finally, you see glimpses of this transformation um, in the movie, when you finally get to see it for what it actually is, uh, I thought that was really cool. And I was not expecting to see a fully realized version of a Wendigo. So props to them for doing that. Uh, but to dial it back a little bit, um, I want to talk about uh, the father and his role in this movie and the other brother um, to our main character. Um, so what it is, the very beginning of the movie, um, you see that the dad and his brother are in a mine and you don't really know this yet but they're in a meth lab. They have a meth lab in this mine and um, they somehow disrupt what's been kept at bay in this mine, which is the Wendigo. Um, so someone had found a way and I'm assuming it was a Native American because there were things there that were very specific culturally to keep this spirit, this entity at bay. So long story short, uh, the Wendigo is now attached to the father um, and the father is in the house. Uh, the little brother is getting sick. Um, little brother has been homeschooled and the older brother is going to school and he, every day after school, he returns and brings roadkill to the father and to, and food to his brother. Um, and you see this evolution, this transformation of the father specifically into this Wendigo. And there are steps and you see different types of looks and there's really cool makeup of they did with like the veining and then then more towards the latter half of the movie, you get to see like these prosthetics are applied to his face and he goes full on and then you actually get to see some of the transformation, which I thought was really well done. Um, but what did you think of the Wendigo? Uh, I know when we, got done watching this movie you were we were kind of going back and forth and you'd notice some things that I didn't really notice with the ending and sort of how it ties together what did you think of how that was handled I guess and how uh, the Wendigo was presented to the characters um that's a good question because I'm not too familiar with the Wendigo like I wouldn't call myself a Wendigo expert uh the the things I know about the Wendigo the Wendigo have been mostly from comic books. Yeah. Uh, he fought Wolverine in the comic book and a couple of stories. And there was also a Wendigo character in the BPRD, uh, Mignolavers universe. Mm -hmm. um, his name was Daryl. There's like a big story about him. Um, I think uh, the movie kind of depicts the, this variation of the Wendigo as something that fits on good
greed and yeah. desperation and loneliness. Yeah, yeah. You and there is a, a, a excerpt at the beginning that kind of talks about Mother Nature being pillaged and this whole element of what attracts the Wendigo, whether it's that innocent isolation or whether it goes all the way to the other spectrum of being like depraved and like yeah. greed and um so you, there those elements are in the movie and that's how you can kind of tell why the wendigo was attached to the father throughout the story and throughout the movie and then even uh with the the passing of that to the, the other brother and how you see why that happened and um, and there are variations of the Wendigo lore, of course. The lots of different Native American tribes um, have different um, aspects and beliefs to how the Wendigo operates. But the overarching idea, I think, was pretty central in the movie for yeah. how that sort of greed or those variations can 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 take place within and around a Wendigo. Um, what I thought was really uh, expertly handled was each character was sort of fully realized and mm -hmm. they, they all had their own arcs in a way. Um, but what I really liked was the relationship that started being established with the, the main character, the, the older brother mm -hmm. who was feeding the dad and the brother and, and Julia, the teacher, I thought yes. that that seemed realistic. Like she throughout the film is starting to notice these things of, of someone that's trauma, that's experienced trauma because she herself has from a result of her father. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why she escaped and sort of moved back to the town is, you know, something happened to the father. So I like those aspects were very realistic of how she, you know, went to check in on the, on the kid. She went to the upper school board members or the principal, I think okay. is who it was yeah. to mm -hmm. talk about it. Like she was making a lot of smart decisions in the movie, which I appreciated. Like she was a strong character, um, even right up into the end. And what an end that was where you get to see, you know, this confrontation in, in a cave with the Wendigo and mm -hmm. like all of that. Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, what were some other, and I know, and I know that, um, you know, eventually they, her, the Julia and, and the cop, um, her brother, they get to go to talk to the former sheriff, I believe it is, mm -hmm. who is Native American. And he kind of explains what he knows about the, the legend, what's happening, because they're really kind of not understanding what's happening in the town. Right. What did you think of, uh, I guess, what were some standout aspects or scenes uh, or moments to you uh, about this movie? Um, I, th I think you're right. They seen where they go and visit the sheriff, the former sheriff, and shows him the pictures that the main kid has been drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the sheriff says, well, is the kid native? Mm -hmm. Um, she's like, no. And he said, oh, so he's surprised by this because again, he seems to know really what's happening. Mm -hmm. I, I think, um, well, and, and he, and you know that there's that satchel that's above the door that's keeping the father and the brother in the room. Oh, yes. The Wendigo. Mm -hmm. So there, there, you, you know that this kid is very smart. Yeah. And has... so that's what I liked about that is those small elements that showed what kind of survivalist he was. Yeah. He, he clearly read the books mm -hmm. because you see that he has a couple of books on Native American myths and these mm -hmm. kinds of things. But he also, 
I think uh, one of the more uh, painful aspects, I think, is um, when he is saying that that his former dad was mean and and rude and oh the kid the yeah. kid he says that his dad that his dad used to be mean and these kinds of things but but now he's new dad yeah he's changed and he's changed but his new dad is is gonna provide for him and his brother and he's like. Uh, no, this yeah. is he, completely he, the Wendigo. So he, he was hopeful that this was a change for the better, yeah, which was yeah. very heartbreaking. And I mean, of course, he wasn't really hurting him, but uh, as he was transforming, but you can imagine that he was hurt before. Mm-hmm. And this is confirmed in some scenes where the doctor says, yeah, he has been a victim of abuse. Mm-hmm. And so, and the dad having a meth lab. So I think that those, those scenes were heavy they were very well laid out very well played well and even there's this little moments like when julia the teacher goes to the principal and she says well where's the other where's lucas i think is actually the other kid right lucas is the main kid. lucas is the main kid and his and his brother brother is aiden aiden yes and she's like well aiden has been homeschooled and there's a moment where she says something like well a lot of them will homeschool around these parts mm-hmm. so that they can push product, meaning that they're helping them, mm-hmm. you know, in the kitchen or however they're doing this. Right. So they're starting these kids really young and early with this sort of with drug the business mm-hmm. that they yeah. have. And I thought that was a really heartbreaking moment too, because yeah. you know, these people are surviving because there's no jobs. They've gotten wrapped up in these things. Their kids are now part of this legacy. And it's just a vicious circle of trauma. Oh, yeah, it is. And now you're throwing this supernatural element that's mm-hmm. been released into the town that's going to exploit that. And I thought that was one of the, um, and I don't know if The Quiet Boy, the short story that this is based on, explores that, but I really like those aspects because that's where I think true horror uh, is relatable and, and terrifying is knowing that, um, you know, there's towns all over and there's people all over making the mess that they can't making the best that they can mm-hmm. of the situations. And, um, some of those elements can be the scariest things about life is, is what you can do to others and what others are doing to each other. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you were saying about, um, that whole element. Yeah. And, and I think, um, that's, uh, from, from, from what I've read, and especially in the VPRD, when they talk about how Wendigos possess people, they, you know, I think Abe Sapien and Hellboy are having a conversation and they say something like, well, a Wendigo can only possess someone who has uh, an extreme uh, lost slash greed for something or, or someone who has killed someone else. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think when they meet Daryl the Wendigo, he's like a, this this poor hunter who got lost in the woods, and and he he said he didn't kill anyone, um, but and again I would take him at his word because he seems like a nice guy actually, but he's being possessed by the Wendigo, and and turns out that apparently he just got lost and he fed on on something the Wendigo had fed before, and that's why he becomes this creature. But but in this movie, it, it seems that the Wendigo does infect the father because of what you say, this this grief, this anger, this thing that he has. And um, 
there's this theory at the end that I have, mm-hmm. and like I think that you have the same theory about mm-hmm. what happened to Julia's father, who was an abuser of her and her brother. And the brother never really says what he did to him. Yeah. But he says, you don't know what he did to me. So because... Yeah, because there's a moment where Lucas and Julia are talking on the couch and she sa- he says something like, did you love your father? And then that's when she starts talking about what happened to her father. And she says, well, like they had in common with their mother's dying, mm-hmm. her father died, but she says he did it to himself. And yeah. so you think that's what happened, but your theory and right. kind of what we thought at the end is there's a line that says... Um, Julia looks to her brother and says something. And then he says, well, you've never had to kill somebody you love Mm -hmm. talking about Lucas because Lucas seen, you know, that happening and seen them killing uh, his father and all that. So it's, that's when you kind of knew and it wasn't like apparent or spoken out loud, but you kind of thought, well, this is kind of what happened. Right. And then what you said at the end, like what happens with. That's, uh, I mean, with, with the fact that again, like there's, again, the, the movie does a lot in not spelling things out, but mm-hmm. giving you enough information so that you can like put it together in this sense. And, and part of the thing is, Julia is dealing with the memories of the abuse of her father and and you see it from her perspective you never see things from Jesse Plemons character's perspective you never see what right. happened to him exactly uh so not being able to see his perspective um you kind of have to fill in the blanks right and with some of that um unspokenness with the dialogue and you know some of those ambiguous things that they say does kind of fill those in in a way too. Yeah, but he does mention to her, uh, "You don't know what he did to me." So, and yeah. that's the that's it's it's a smart that they don't show you what happened to him mm-hmm. because it also makes you like you're trying to empathize with Julia and understand why she's acting this way, but then you also empathize with him because you're like, "Oh, she's presuming many things." That well, and he's in a position now. Like he mentions this in dialogue earlier, like she's like, well, why did you ever take this position? And he's like, mm-hmm. well, who else is around to do it? Right. Like I'm not leaving here and I can't idly sit by and let whoever take it when I know I could take it, I'm mm-hmm. responsible. Yeah. And so that kind of shows his character too. Like he's willing to step up and do stuff that he's, he's maybe not comfortable with, but he does it because he's responsible. Right. And I think that's kind of what happened with the father. He knew after a while, you know, she tells him that she's being abused. She leaves and he waited for her to come back. She never did because mm-hmm. of the abuse. Yeah. And he was being abused too. And he knew he had to end the cycle. Right. So, so I think it's, I think again, there are many things that kind of point out to the fact that he killed his father. Um, but also there's that last scene slash clue from mm-hmm. the whole other Wendigo can possess people that, have murdered someone Mm -hmm. and so that that you see this hint that the wendigo has now possessed jesse plemons character so yeah because it wouldn't have her or else you would have known she killed which she didn't or the kid which she didn't either right so um it went for him it went for him which was sad but it could also be again like the wendigo hurt him so i mean there's enough ambiguity there yeah but there's a lot of things that are well put in the dialogue and things like that that 
to, to yeah. kind of hint at that uh, at that reasoning. Yeah, and so we've, we've kind of given you all like our overview of kind of the points that stuck out to us. And um, certainly there are kills in this movie. It's aside from the psychological horror, it is horrific with what the gore and oh, yes. intent, very realistic. Um, there's a scene where uh, one of the character, well, the one of the characters gets like uh, basically like horned by the mm -hmm. antlers, and yeah. it's just very traumatizing because it seems like uh, instinctual primal animal that's doing this because it's repeatedly doing it, but it's in a different way. Right. It's like calculated. Yes, yes. There's there's a whole aspect to it that the that the creature is not acting on instinct, but it's knowing what it's doing. Right. And, yeah. And the way that it uses Aiden as bait in one of the scenes. Yeah. When it takes the other, the deputy, yeah, to the chat to investigate these noises, and he sees the kid. Yeah. So you you can tell that that the Wendigo is smart it's all psychological yeah. in some he's, ways he's not yeah. just lashing out in a primal state right it, it knows what it's doing and what was cool when we talk about that is uh, there's a moment so the confrontation happens in this cave and that's where julia goes to help lucas and you see this is when you finally see the wendigo you know save it best for last and you get to see this giant entity and it still has that uh, remainder of the mm -hmm. father's face, the yeah. skin attached. And there's a moment where it just like completely rips it off. Like now it's like fully done. Mm -hmm. Like it's done having any ties being tethered to the humans. Right. It's fully a Wendigo and there's a battle and it's pretty intense. Yeah. I was worried. Like there's so many moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this person's going to die. Or, Oh my God, this person's going to die. It's special effects. Special effects were great. Yeah, um, really yeah, and, and I think that, too, kind of lends credence to Guillermo del Toro being part of it, the production, because I think that he embeds himself into these movies when he works with other creators and other artists. You can tell, like, when he's attached to something, it's a very polished, very attractive, not to discredit the director or the writers or anything like that, but you can tell a Guillermo del Toro presents or a Guillermo del Toro produced or Guillermo del Toro movie, like it's, it was a very solid fantasy horror psychological drama. Um, but the but director Cooper did an amazing job. Nick, Nick Antosca did a cool job of writing the story. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think that it's a movie that um, I'll be happy to revisit and watch again uh, when it's available. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's not a really movie that I think deserves a sequel. I think it was just mm -hmm. good enough on its own. Um, but I wouldn't turn down one, I guess, but it's something that doesn't really need to happen. Um, it certainly exceeded my expectations. So I was, uh, pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. When we left, you said that you're like, wow, I actually didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. And for some reason, like I kind of thought it was going to be good, uh, because of the writers, because of seeing who was attached and like all of these creative forces coming together for a movie, which doesn't mean anything sometimes. Uh, but I, I had an idea that this would be an interesting watch, and I'm glad that we got to check it out in the movie theater. Yeah. I mean, it was the, a fun the, watch. The, the trailer didn't. Sorry, the trailer didn't show a lot beyond right. some of the more horror aspects of it. Yeah. And and I think that the strengths of the movie were in the 
psychological aspects of it and the direction, the cinematography, the scenes, the unspoken dialogue. So I think that that's, that's a plus. So again, like I expected it. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't go with any expectations. I was expecting to see a feature creature and creature just feature? a creature yeah. feature. And this was so much more than that. So that's why I said yeah. I was extremely pleasantly surprised by it. And so that's why I, I, and I stand by it. I enjoy it. Yeah, way more than I thought I was going to. So. Yeah, and, and I, I know all you listeners know me and know my taste sometimes with creature features, but I will be uh, happy to say that I was definitely surprised that this was not only a great creature feature and it shows exceptional uh, gore and you know creature effects and all that fun stuff that we look for in these movies, but it was also had a really intriguing story, solid acting, and people that you actually cared about, which does make a difference when you're watching a movie like this. Um, so I think that it could definitely be one that uh, will become a classic uh, in the sense uh, because of all those elements that come together for a strong final product. Um, so yeah, so we recommend it. Um, and uh, aside from that, um, like I said, I give it an eight, maybe even going up to eight and a half now that I've talked about it a little bit more with you. Um, you're giving it a nine out of 10. Yeah. Uh, I think it's solid. Um, yeah, so recommend it. Um, so any listeners out there that have checked it out and you want to give us your take on it, uh, let us know in the comments for the episode's posting. Um, we want to thank you for supporting uh, Fatal Follower Presents. And you can reach me at Fatal Follower uh, Presents at Gmail. Uh, you can find me at Fatal Follower on Horomino and Fatal Follower Presents at Twitter. Uh, Gabriel, thank you so much for joining today for the reaction review. Uh, happy yay all around. Thank you for having me, as usual. <laughs> um, all right. Stay safe, stay spooky, and beware the Wendigo. Bye-bye.